let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joel Craft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is good to be with you another Friday evening, reflecting into Scripture for Sunday, an evening where we have the opportunity to uh, typically reflect upon the gospel itself. But uh, this Sunday, Pentecost Sunday, we're going to be doing something a little different. We're going to add to the gospel by engaging uh, the text from the Acts of the Apostles. Uh, certainly we cannot uh, justify discussion uh, on Pentecost without actually uh, reading the text, so uh, we will do that. And as I do from time to time, I have uh, Debbie Rosales uh, joining me tonight. So Debbie, it is great to have you with me tonight. Thank you for having me, Joe. I know it's been a few weeks, but uh, I missed you. Yes, I missed you too. <laughs> it's good to it's good to be able to engage in dialogue, especially about uh, this kind of subject matter. So, so Debbie, as I just noted, you know we have Pentecost, we have the gospel that comes to us from John, a gospel that actually you and I have already reflected upon a little bit about a month ago. The gospel where our Lord is breathing life into the apostles. What we really want to focus in on tonight is this reality of being made new in Christ, this reality of embracing uh, this new advocate we've been given in the Holy Spirit. So why don't we get going with the Gospel of John, and because we need those verses from the the Acts of the Apostles, we will go John and then Acts. And tonight it's John 20, 19 to 23. On the evening of that first day of the week, When the doors were locked where the apostles were, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. And now from Acts 2, 1 through 11. When the time for Pentecost was fulfilled, they were all in one place together. And suddenly there came from the sky a noise like a strong driving wind, and it filled the entire house in which they were. Then there appeared to them tongues as of fire, which parted and came to rest on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them to proclaim. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven staying in Jerusalem. At this sound they gathered in a large crowd But they were confused because each one heard them speaking in his own language. They were astounded, and in amazement they asked, Are not all these people who are speaking Galileans? Then how does each of us hear them in his native language? 
We are Parthenes, Medes, Elamites, inhabitants of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Virgia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the districts of Libya near Cyrene, as well as travelers from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, yet we hear them speaking in our own tongues of the mighty acts of God. Amen. Thanks, Deb. So in this gospel passage, Debbie, what do we have here? You know, you have Jesus breathing life into his apostles. This certainly evokes a lot of Old Testament imagery. We have talked much about the importance of reading the new in light of the Old Testament so as to gather the dynamism of how Christ is fulfilling that prophetic thrust of the Old Testament. Certainly one can go to uh, Genesis 2-7, you know, when God breathed life into man. And Ezekiel 37 verses 9 to 10, and that most astounding scene when Ezekiel prophesied to Israel of God, breathing into the dry bones that they may live. And certainly this is what we came see to happen, right? It would appear and certainly come to the surface that the breathing of the Holy Spirit from Jesus to the disciples is about this breathing life into man, this new life into man. You know, that passage from Genesis 2, 7 is most fascinating when you look at it from that context of breathing new life. Because in Genesis 2, 7, God, what? He forms man out of the clay of the ground and blew into his nostrils the breath of life. And so man became a living being. Man's first glimpse of paradise is illuminated by the Holy Spirit. This new glimpse is illuminated by the Holy Spirit. So with his gesture, Jesus indicates that the Holy Spirit is the divine breath that gives life to the new creation as he gave life to the first creation. You know, what do we read in that responsorial psalm, Deb? (laughs) Send forth your spirit and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. You know, the Holy Spirit for all times says what? Behold, I make all things new. The movement of the Holy Spirit, Deb, in creation gave precise contours that would separate darkness from light, dry land from sea. Everything would take on the definitive shape of order. What lies at the heart of this, Deb, is that the crown jewel of all of creation was man, created in his image and likeness. You know, just as the Holy Spirit transforms creation from chaos into cosmos, something ordered and polished, we can say that he transforms the ugliness of our sin into something beautiful by way of his grace making order out of disorder, harmony out of confusion, beauty out of deformity. We can even say (laughs) youth out of age. You know, it's really interesting, Debbie, as we reflect upon this topic of beauty, you know, and creation, well, we talk about the cosmos, the world. What does the word cosmos literally mean? Well, it has the same root as cosmetic, and so one can well imagine it means beautiful. you know, I know, Debbie, you uh, work in a dermatological office yes. <laughs> where there is an emphasis 
on the exterior beauty. Yes. The thing of it is, in 2014, when we think of beauty and we talk about beauty, we shouldn't so much be so, so focused on what is external versus what is internal. And I think I go there off the top, Deb, because really tonight is about making all things new. Mm-hmm. It is also about making all things beautiful, right. making all things beautiful. That's where it has to start. And this is what God is doing in creation. And part of that is this constant restoration. Mm. Patients come to the office to be, uh, maybe have their skin restored. Right, Mm -hmm. right. Right. Well, we see that every day. Yeah. Sure. We see, um, I liked a word you used earlier as we were talking, a hunger. Um, And what they see as beautiful and constantly trying to grasp at perfection and, and, and this hunger that you see that drives them to spend inordinate amounts of money mm-hmm. to look beautiful exteriorly. And um, it can sometimes make me feel kind of sad for them that they don't or maybe can't accept the beauty that God has put inside of them, mm-hmm. the beauty internally, the beauty um, as a temple of the Holy Spirit, they're yeah. Christians, and that emphasis on the exterior versus the beauty of the interior. Yeah. You know, God says, let us make man in our image. Right. Okay. So what is the, you know, the imago Dei, the image of God? You know, we look outside at the natural world, creation. Think of, oh, the Niagara Falls. Think of Mm. the Grand Canyon. Mm. Uh, Think of... Any one spot across the world, you know, Bing.com. I don't know if you ever go to Bing.com. They've got those pictures, right? Always, they're just beautiful pictures. In fact, I we go there now directly as opposed to, to Yahoo. And my youngest son, there's a picture of um, a canyon against the water. Mm. And he just stopped what he was doing. He says, oh, pretty dad. He wouldn't think to change anything in that picture. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't think, he wouldn't dare say, gosh, dad, I think that canyon needs to dip in a little more there. Or I think that water needs to be a little more blue. He wouldn't even think about that. Mm-hmm. God's natural creation, we wouldn't touch that. And yet man who has been endowed with a soul, so much more beautiful, so much more beautiful. but we've lost that sense of beauty. Mm-hmm. We've lost that sense of beauty. You know, it's really interesting. A lot of evangelists recently have really discovered a man by the name of Von Balthasar. <laughs> I don't want to go crazy tonight on Father Von Balthasar, who actually awesome. <laughs> was made cardinal right before he died posthumously. But anyhow, another program. He wanted to shift the way we think about uh, truth, beauty, and goodness. He wanted to start with beauty, you see. Because, you know, for some truth, now they'll balk at that. Goodness, we'll drive by that. It, it won't stop us. It will stop some. Well, look at that person helping that man. You know, if they're doing their quote-unquote Good Samaritan Act, they'll stop and say, yeah, you know, he, well, isn't he doing a, a fine thing? But it won't arrest us. You know, Von Balthasar likes to use this phrase when it comes to beauty. When we behold something so striking, so magnificent, there's this aesthetic arrest. Mm. And he is more than just onto something. What he's saying is beauty first evangelizes. 
Even the person who is down in the dumps, even the person who might be mired in sin, if they catch a glimpse of something extraordinary, even them, they'll see it. Mm-hmm. They'll see it. And so this call to see beauty for what it is and really see beauty as a foundation is something that as Catholics and as Christians, Debbie, we need to restore. Absolutely. And in doing so, be mindful that the incarnation of beauty mm-hmm. is found in Jesus Christ, Absolutely. where the human and divine come together and the absolute beauty of what it means to be fully human can be realized and understood in the person of Jesus Christ. So when we talk about this subject matter, we have to start thinking about what is new is beautiful. I know our listening audience out there, they may have never even heard about this before, but I would venture to guess, Debbie, that this makes sense to them. Mm. That you want to know, yeah, beauty is important, but it's not a beauty that is about <laughs> what our skin looks like. Right. I don't want to get you in trouble with your job now. No, no, no. I think I'm good. (laughs) I loved, um, I think it was St. John Paul II that said, the most attractive thing about a soul is holiness. Mm -hmm. It's the most beautiful thing, a beautiful soul, holiness. And And who comes to mind immediately is Mother Teresa. On the outside, not the most beautiful person you've ever ran into. Yeah. But a soul that was so beautiful, there wasn't a person on the planet who didn't respect and love her, I don't think. Amen. Is it um, Donald DeMarco, professor at Boston College, writer of virtue? He says, when we talk about holiness, when we think of holiness and beauty, he says, holiness is like a lighthouse. It is not shoot off cannons or send off flares. It just shines in the darkness. Mm-hmm. It just shines in the darkness. There's this attraction. Mm-hmm. And, and what's more, Deb, is when you behold beauty, what do you do? You're in awe, mm-hmm. and then what do you do? You want to tell everyone about uh, it. Do you, do you want to know what I saw today? Yeah. You will not believe what I saw today. You know? The most beautiful thing. And so beauty then has this evangelical power. Mm-hmm. You know? And of course, when we put this in the Christian context, in Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. you know, if we can behold holiness for what it is, then yeah, we are... We are well on our way. And this really brings us to Pentecost and the gift of the Holy Spirit. The verses you read for us, there are some striking verses. You know, there's this fiery descent. There's this, this loud, thunderous noise. And once again, when we read the New Testament, we read it in light of the Old Testament. And certainly you have the fire, you have the thunderous clapping noise up on Mount Sinai. Let's think about this. A lot of us, Deb, we want to compare, rightfully so, I do here on this radio program a lot, the Ten Commandments with the Beatitudes, because the Ten Commandments are the old law and the Beatitudes are the new law. But what is that passage in Jeremiah 31, I think verses 31 and following, that the dawn of the Messiah, the new law will no longer be etched onto stone, but it'll be inscribed upon the heart. How is the new law inscribed upon the heart? Essentially, you have this this juxtaposition again of the old law, external, new law, internal. Well, what makes it internal? What gives it its interior dimension? But the gift given there in the upper room. Yes. Pentecost. Mm. It's this interior dynamic. Now, now we have the power to live out those beatitudes, those virtues, that charter for holiness. We're talking about holiness being about what is beautiful. Now we've been given the gift 
to be beautiful like Jesus Christ is beautiful. I feel like I'm singing a song right now. (laughs) (laughs) But, But the essence of it is we are only beautiful to the extent that we see ourselves being made new each and every day. Mm. You know, what is the, the passage, Colossians 3.10, put on the cloth of Christ, become a new creation each and every day. Right. You know, dress ourselves with the garment of virtue each and every day. I mean, this is what it's about. Why do we call Pentecost the birth of the church? Mm. Well, what happens on a birthday? You celebrate the birth. You celebrate, ah, new life, life. right? And we are to see the gift given at Pentecost as this gift that we are to embrace, enter into each and every day, each and every morning. Paul's illusion in in Colossians and also Ephesians, he uses the, the same language, put on the cloth of Christ. In the Greek is in the same way you would put on clothes each and every day. Isn't yeah. that interesting? Yes. Uh, it's, it's, it has the illusion of the garment of baptism. That's just certainly. exactly what I was thinking of. But in that, the what white, is... The white garment. That's right. What does that white garment represent? Purity. Purity. Holiness. Mm-hmm. Uh, that which we are to espouse to each and every day. Mm-hmm. So Pentecost is about this gift given to us that we might be empowered and emboldened to essentially live out those beatitudes. I, I loved it. Just this morning as I'm getting ready for work, I'm... I, uh, have my Laudate app out. And, and so yeah. while I'm doing my hair and getting ready for work, I have them reading the readings to me. And then, then there's a little reflection, a kind of pray as you go kind of thing. And on that reflection time, it said, the pursuit of holiness or sanctity, they may have used the word sanctity, is a gift in every moment of today. Mm. And it just, mm. it struck me. It's like, that's, that's, that's how we become godly, saintly, Christ-like yeah. in every moment, in that decision to put on the garment, mm-hmm. be, to clothe ourselves. It's almost like um, our being clothed in, in holiness. And maybe if we need to uh, envision ourselves wearing a white garment and reflect on that purity that we are being asked, mm-hmm. what a beauty, what a beautiful, that's a it's a good thing for me to think about every morning. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, I believe it was St. Ambrose who talked about two conversions. Mm-hmm. Fundamentally, there's two conversions in the Christian life. The first is baptism. Mm-hmm. The second is the sacrament of confession. Mm-hmm. And isn't it important yes. that we bring this up and talk about this? Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, there is wisdom in the church's liturgical year to take the passage from John 20, verses 19 to 23, which anticipate Pentecost and have us go a little deeper and make note that this is also, of course, as we talked about last month, the series of verses where we have Christ instituting the sacrament of confession, Mm -hmm. right? Where he's giving the apostles the power to forgive sins. Right. Yeah, it's fitting to see how those verses in the Gospel of John anticipate Pentecost and especially in the context of the Holy Spirit who makes all things new. Mm-hmm. Um, Colby made, my oldest son made his first communion, and they went to the first confession beforehand, and one of his classmates was just jumping around with joy in the, the classroom, talking that. about how, you know, don't you just feel lighter, and don't <laughs> you just feel great? And she just as could have well said, 
don't don't you feel new Mm -hmm. don't you feel restored Mm -hmm. peaceful yeah yeah all those things so yeah i mean behold make all things new what was the the psalm you know send forth your spirit and Mm -hmm. they shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth and you shall renew the face of the earth so there's within this calling of being holy and and being beautiful deb there's this calling to renew the face of the earth Mm -hmm. and this is the mission of the church Mm. yeah i mean we are restored and renewed so that we might be a pure instrument, a pure vessel for Jesus Christ to abide in, so that we might give glory to God in all that we do. You know, Debbie, we talk about the old law and the new law. Well, what do they have in common? They are structured. You know, the Ten Commandments, the first three commandments, are about loving God first. And out from that love of God, out from that loving God first, then you know what it looks like to uh, love your neighbor. You know, we look at the Ten Commandments within the context of don't do this and don't do that. What we must always remember is that behind every no is an immeasurable greater yes. And that's what the Ten Commandments highlight. And in the Beatitudes, what do we have? What's the first Beatitude? Be poor in spirit, be poor in God, God first. And out from that God first moment, uh, you will better understand and be better informed on how to live out more faithfully that charter for holiness. It is to live in God so as to exist for other. New identity in God, new goal in God, right? This is what it's about. So for all that we talk about as it relates to the Holy Spirit, we are made to see that it is first about this principle of relationship. And because our Lord commissions us to go forth to preach and to teach, this is what we do. We go forth. And this transitions us, Debbie, to the reading that you read for us. In that reading, what did we hear? But the sound of a mighty wind and the visible uh, fire dramatized by the coming of the Holy Spirit. Right? We heard the same thing in the events of the book of Exodus and the giving of the Ten Commandments. So this really, again, highlights, Debbie, what we're talking about. We are made to see in these verses that you read for us, that it is about this new gift that empowers us and emboldens us to go forth and to preach the good news in both word and deed. If you were to go down to chapter 2, verse 4, what do we read? And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, the Spirit is the founding gift of the new covenant and the soul that animates the body of the Christian community. As we've already talked about, he directs the missionary efforts of the church, guiding her leadership in truth. The Holy Spirit sanctifies the church's life through the sacraments. The church has been given to us that we might be made new in the sacramental life And as often as we can, we are to celebrate the sacramental life, huh? And so as we look at our relationship with the Holy Spirit, we are to see it on a personal level in God for other, but also on an ecclesial level. The word church in the Greek is is ecclesia. So when we say ecclesial, we mean on the level of the church. And on an ecclesial level, we see the Spirit animating the church in how she guides and instructs the people of God in truth, and how the church is sanctified in the sacramental life. And when I say sanctified, what do I mean? Well, the word itself, 
uh, is hagiazo in the Greek, which literally means to be set apart. Huh? You know, in the Old Testament, things were set sanctified. Liturgical vessels, liturgical instruments were sanctified. In the New Testament, not things, but persons are sanctified. Persons are set apart. And Debbie, they are set apart in and through the sacramental life. And so the giving of the gift of the Holy Spirit in Pentecost is to animate the Christian believer and the community at large to guide and to instruct the people of God in Christ's truth and to sanctify in the sacramental life. This is, is what it's about. Now, Pentecost also carries with it, Deb, this uh, symbol of fire. Mm. And I just love that image. Purifying fire. It's interesting. Earlier we were talking about the unity of the two testaments. And here, Deb, we can grab hold of some very important truths. I mean, in the, the Old Testament often depicts fire as a testing and refining agent. Huh? You just talked about the purifying fire. Fire refines. But there's something else about fire that we've come to know. That it is synonymous with God's love. Huh? The burning bush, God's incorruptible love. The bush burns, and yet it remains. Right? This is the, the power of God. And so when we have that love of God within us, when we have that purifying fire of God within us, right? He makes us more whole. He makes us more pure. And he does it through this refinement process, this purifying process. It was the great French theologian Henri de Lubac, Debbie, who once said, we are called to live in the warmth and presence of the Holy Trinity, to live in the warmth and presence of the fire of God's love. What a beautiful thought. And it's interesting because um, when you feel away from love, it's described as being cold. Mm -hmm. You know, if someone's frigid, yeah. They lack yeah. love. Yeah. And when you think about when you're first in love, how you, you just feel all warm inside. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And yeah. and getting to that place in your relationship with Christ to where your heart feels like it's on fire. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. It's that falling in love. Yeah. With your with with your best friend, with your love, with your beloved. Yeah. Um fill and letting him fill us with his his love, his purifying love. That's a good point to close on, I think, Deb. And to be mindful that when we think about Pentecost, it is indeed about setting our lives on fire and setting the church on fire, that the world may come to know that God's fire is a fire that refines and at the same time empowers. Let's close in prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth. Heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.